Good morning, Daylight Church. Man, it's so great to be here, for real, from rural southern Illinois. I mean, uh, you guys may think you know what rural is, but uh, man, we, we come from cornfields and bean fields, and so it's just great to be in the city. This is like big time living for me. HL's been taking me around town. I got to go to the Muhammad Ali Museum, which I love. I'm a boxing nut, so I could have stayed there for hours. I love me some Muhammad Ali, and so enjoyed that. And then got to go to the Louisville Slugger uh, Museum and, and tour that, or museum, but the factory and all that. So just thank you. I want to say thank you to HL and Kara. They have been great friends. I've known H about 12 years, somewhere in that neighborhood, and I've uh, been great friends. I'm a lifelong, don't hate me, I'm a lifelong Dallas Cowboy fan. And because of HL, I've been to go, being able to go watch the Dallas Cowboys, uh, and I wouldn't have been able to do it without my friendship with him. So I'm just thankful. We're indebted just because of that. Even though he likes the Broncos, I still uh, hang out with him. But I just want to take the opportunity to honor them, thank them for what they're doing. Pioneering a church is not easy. Starting from scratch is not easy. So I just want to say thank you to HL for the opportunity to be here and speak with you. Prayed for your church on a regular basis. Uh, we have just you know, supported from afar, but we're thankful to actually be here and experience it. So uh, I want to show you a quick pic you know, about my family. This is a pic here of uh, the Everett's. So we have four daughters and one son from ages 19 to 5. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. Yeah, so anyway, we'll just go on. So we have four girls and one boy, and we're thrilled. My wife Dawn and I, we've been pastoring the Rhodes Church in North City for a little over 12 years, so they bring greetings to you, and uh, just an honor and a privilege to hang out with you. Today, I don't want to take up much more time. I want to get right in. The title of my message today is, Where's Your Green? You mean like, what do you mean, where's your green? What does that have to do with anything? We're going to talk about that today. By the time we're done, Whenever I ask you where's your green, you're going to know what you're looking for. You're going to know what to be thinking about. So we're going to break that down today. But I, I want to ask this question to maybe start out. How many have ever had a job, or maybe you currently have a job, that you don't exactly feel fulfilled in what you do? Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Everybody's like, whoa, I can raise my hands. You know, but in life, sometimes we don't always feel fulfilled in what we're doing. And here's a study I've heard According to a Gallup poll, over 900 million people in over 142 countries are unfulfilled in what they do in life. 900 million over 142 countries. In the U.S. alone, so right here at home, 70% of people that go to work every day don't love what they do. 70%. Isn't that amazing? So what we're going to figure out today is I believe it's possible I believe it's more than possible. I believe it's ideal and the way we're supposed to live to do what we love to do every day. Now, I didn't say you're going to love everything you do. Some of the tasks we do, you know, you're not going to love everything you do about life. There's some things I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, but I still don't like everything I do. So there's some things you're going to like, well, I don't, I don't like that. There's some things you just got to plow through, but I believe there's something on the inside of you. It's the difference in living internally motivated versus externally motivated. In other words, we're not motivated by a paycheck. We're motivated by a dream. 
We're not motivated by what someone else does, how they affirm us, how they acknowledge us. We're motivated by something on the inside that says, this is why I wake up every day. This is why I go to work. This is why I open my eyes. This is why I roll out of bed, because there's something in me that I want to give to the world. And that's what we're talking about today. I want you to find that place. I, I believe every person, if I could whittle down to my greatest passion in life, this topic is it. This is my wheelhouse. This is where I'm supposed to flow in life, is help people connect and find your green. Because I know what I was like. I, here's, here's my story. I graduated from Eastern Illinois University and uh, with a degree, a bachelor's degree in accounting. I mean, those accounting is not super exciting. If there are accounts in the room and watching online, I know it's an awesome field. I did it for 12 years, but for my personality, it just wasn't it. But I, I went four years, got my education, got my degree. I'm at my first job less than one month after I graduated, got a job at Bradley University in Peoria, Illinois. I was making $28,000 a year. I thought I was rich. I remember thinking, what am I going to do with all this money? But less than three months, I'm driving home. I remember it. I could take you to the spot in the road. I was driving home from my job. Less than three months into my job that I just spent four years getting a degree for, and I had this thought, this is not what I'm supposed to do with my life. Less than three months, a great job. I should be thankful and grateful. A lot of my friends still didn't have a job. They've got a degree with no job, and I've got one. But less than three months, I'm asking the question in my head, is this really what I'm supposed to do? So I already had that thing going on in my life. I was already beginning to feel unfulfilled. There's two important days in your life. You need to get this in your heart. Two important days in your life. Number one, the day you were born. That's a pretty good day. But number two, the next important day you need to remember is the day you understand and learn why you were born. The day I was born is a very important day, but the day I understand why I was born and I learned why I'm here, what the purpose is, we need to know both of those days. And sometimes they come a long distance apart. Sometimes we may not know until we're much older, but we need to know why we're breathing, why we're taking up oxygen, why we're here. Every single one of you, I don't care what your demographic, where you come from or your background, every single one of you has a purpose in life. You have something to offer. You may say, Chad, you don't know me. You don't know my, I really don't have my, every single one of you have something. There's something on the inside of you, and I'm going to help you find it today. So I was, I was living unfulfilled, and then I read this book. It's called From Good to Great by Jim Collins. I recommend this book. It's not a spiritual book. It's a, it's a business book. You know, being from a business background, I, I wanted to read this book, and I was really reading the book based on companies, because this book is about the top companies in the industry that went from good to great and began to perform over three times the market rate. Now, you may say, I could care less about that. But here's what he talked about in this book. These companies found what he called the hedgehog concept. And here's the hedgehog concept. The hedgehog concept is based on how a fox can beat a hedgehog every time. Now, the fox is much smarter than the hedgehog. But the hedgehog is a one-trick pony. Every time the fox tries to eat the hedgehog, the hedgehog just rolls up into his little thorny ball, and the fox can't do anything about it. So he created this hedgehog concept about how companies go from good to great. Here's the three circles. You can see them there on your screen. Number one, what are you deeply passionate about? 
These companies need to find what they're passionate about, what they love to do. Number two, what they could be the best in the world at. In other words, as a company, what are you good at? There's certain things that companies are good at, certain things that they're not good at. You need to find what they're good at. Then the third thing was what drives your economic engine. In other words, what's your profit center going to be based on? Or what, what's your business going to be based on that's going to bring you the most income? This is what, when the companies found the intersection of those three circles, when you found that, that place, it's colored in black, this is the place where you would begin to go from good to great because you know who you are, you know who you are as a company, you know what you do best, and you know what people want. All right? So if, as I read this, I just had this moment where I thought, if this is valuable helping companies go from good to great, I'm unfulfilled. I'm going to a job that I don't like. So how can I go from good to great? I didn't want to live a life mediocre. I don't know about you. I didn't want to live a mediocre life. I didn't want to live my whole life and die and go, wow, I sure didn't accomplish much. So I'm like, how can I go from good to great? I wanted to be great. This is something I am convinced of. Every single person in here, in your heart, has a desire to be great. You may not even know how to be great. Somebody may have ever told you you can be great. Some people may never have given you permission to be great. But I'm here to tell you and encourage you that you can be great. I'm not talking about comparing it amongst other people or comparing yourself to other people. You have to find your own greatness in you. So I thought, how could I, how could I apply this to myself? How could I be great? So I, I changed up the circles, and I came up with this draw, drawing. I call it the purpose concept. So I ripped off Jim Collins a little bit and kind of made it my own deal. And I made these three circles. Number one, passion. What you love to do and would do it for free. I want you to think about something right now. What is something you love to do and would do it for free? Too many times when I talk to teenagers, when I go to schools and talk to people, I talk to them about don't go into life looking for a J-O-B. Go into the market with a passion. Go into school with a passion. You, we've got to find something we love doing. Too many times we're figuring out what we're going to do based on what pays the most. How many knows what pays the most may not always bring fulfillment into your life? So we can't chase after just the paycheck. We've got to figure out what is our passion. What do you love to do? Number two, what are you naturally gifted at or trained at? What are you talented? The talent circle. If you're going to find this place, this green, this, this place of intersection where you're going to flourish in life, you have to find something you're good at. There's certain things you're naturally good at, certain things you're not naturally good at. We have to know what we're trained to do, what we're gifted to do. There's certain things I have to know right out of the gate that I'm just not going to be good at that, and I'm okay with that. I'm not going to be a computer programmer. It's just not going to happen. I like to turn on the computer. I like to use the computer, but I'm not going to write code. There's just no, I don't have the talent for it. I don't have the knack for it. It just doesn't click with me. So I've got to find out what I'm good at in the talent. And then the third circle, instead of profit center or your economic engine, I wrote what is your need. The, what you do fulfills a need. In other words, there is a need for what you have to offer. There is a need in the world for what you're passionate about and what you're good at. We've got to find the intersection of these three places. So when I, I figured out, okay, well, how can I get all three of these? I want to test my theory on myself. So I, as an accountant... I'm going to test my theory because I'm, remember, I'm unfulfilled and I'm trying to figure out, am I doing what my purpose is? Have I found my purpose in life? So I said, number one, do I have a talent for it? Check. I've got a degree. I can do accounting. 
you know, the assets and plus liabilities equal equity. I can, I can do that. I can, I can figure out the debits and the credits. And I, I got that. I got the training. I can do that. So talent check. Is there a need for accountants? Yeah. I mean, we need count, accountants in the world. Do your taxes or just uh, accounting at your business, doing payroll, all kinds of things. So there's a need for accountants. So I've got two out of the three. I'm in good shape. Do I have a passion for it? No. A big, emphatic no. I go there and I sit at the desk, crunching numbers, working on the computer, and thinking, wow, what could I be doing? I had these kind of thoughts. I, I used to think, maybe I should be like a psychiatrist. Because I wanted to help people with their problems. I'd have people from the office come in and sit down in my office and just start telling me their problems. I'm like... Why are you in here? I don't know. I'm just having trouble in my marriage, and I wanted to talk to you about it. I'm like, does that involve assets and credits? Why are, why are you here? I was just, people were being drawn to come into my office and start talking to me about issues with their children. And I felt something on the inside come alive when I could turn away from my spreadsheets and start talking to them about their life. Something came alive. So I'm like, I don't know what it is, but it's something to do with people. Twelve years I worked as an accountant. Boy, I finally had the opportunity to step in to what I feel like is my purpose as a pastor. So I thought, okay, I've got figured out the passion. Now you may say, why the green, Chad? Why, why green? Here's what I thought. I thought to myself, Chad, if you can figure out where you're passionate, where you have a talent, and where there's a need for what you're passionate about, if you can find that little section, if you can get in there, then you can really start flourishing in life. I can go from being dull and mundane to really growing. So I thought, grow, flourishing. That means green things flourish and they're growing. So I'm going to call it green. I thought, man, if I can find that section in my life, I could go further and faster than I've ever gone. So it's like a green light. Once I find that, boom, it's go. So I thought, let's do green, like a green light. So I just began to color it in, and I said, I'm going to start calling it, where's your green? Where's your green? If you will find this place in your life, you can go further and faster than you've ever gone, and you can flourish and begin to grow and develop as a person, you'll be surprised what's on the inside of you when you begin to find your green. So this is what I began to do. So now let me give you an example in the Bible. Here's a scripture in the Bible. I'm going to look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. As each one. Could you participate with me this morning and just repeat this with me? Could you just say each one? Each one. As each one. So if you just do me the favor, just look to your neighbor and say, you've got a gift. You've got a gift. You've got a gift. As each one, you've got a gift. Nobody was sitting beside you, so I want to include you. You've got a gift. As each one. What does it mean as each one? That means that no one can say they don't have a gift. The Bible says as each one has received a gift. So now you can look at yourself in the mirror and you can say I've got a gift. I may not know what it is, but I got one in there somewhere. It's in there because why? Because the Bible tells me so. It says I've got a gift as each one has received a gift. But here's an important part of that verse. As each one received. This word shook up my life. Probably one of my favorite 
words in the Bible. Not the word received, because the New Testament was written in both Greek and Aramaic, Aramaic but the, word, the Greek word for received here, I'm not trying to be overly smart, but I'll just give it to you, because I'm from southern Illinois, so I like things simple. And it's the word lumbano, and this word lumbano means this. You see it there on the screen, to take, to seize, or to grab hold of, or get possession of. As each one has received a gift. Notice the meaning is totally different because you talk about receiving something, it's passive. I'm just going to receive what you give me. If I look at it in English, it just means someone's going to hand me something. I'm going to receive it. But when you look at it in the original language, the Bible comes alive in a different way. And it says, as each one has seized, taken hold of, grabbed hold of, taken possession of their gift. So in other words, I can have a gift in my life and never grab hold of it. I can have something on the inside and sit back passively and wonder why it's not come alive on the inside of me. And God says the problem is you've never grabbed hold of it. You've never possessed it. You've never seized it. You never said, that's it. That's mine. That's who I am. I'm going to make a difference in the world. And this is what I believe, I believe the problem is. A lot of times people are like this going, who's going to tell me I'm valuable? Who's going to tell me what I can do? Who's going to tell me I'm important? Who's, who's going to tell me that, that I've got a gift? Who's going to tell me? Who's, who's going to give me a gift? I got nothing. I got nothing. Who's going to give me? God says, you've got something. You just need to grab hold of what you have. There's a story in the Old Testament of a lady that there was a famine in the land and she was very poor and the, the Bible says that they were, the creditors were coming. She was in debt and the creditors were going to come and take possession of her kids and take them off as slaves. And she comes to the prophet and, and she says, hey, I need you to help me. And he says, well, well, what do you have? What do you have? She's like, I need you to give me something. He said, what do you have already? And she says, I have nothing but a little bit of oil and some flour. And he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that oil that you have, and I want you to begin to pour that oil. I want you to gather as many jars as you can. Gather as many jars. Don't get a few. Get as many jars as you can. And I want you to pour that oil into that jar. So the story goes that she starts pouring this oil. All she has is a little jar, but she got all these vessels around her, starts pouring that oil in there, and as she poured, the oil just kept coming. As she gave out of what she had, as she grabbed hold of what she had, God multiplied what she had. What she had was enough, but she didn't think it was enough. Here's what I came to Daylight Church to tell you. What you have is enough. You just need God to multiply what you have. You need to ask God to let you use what you have. If we won't ever start using what we have, God can't multiply it. As long as I keep it on the shelf and say, nah, I'm not important. I'm not special. I don't have anything to offer. We got to take what we have and start using what we have. And God can make it into something bigger than we ever thought possible. So this is what he's saying. As each one has received a gift, minister it. Begin to serve it. Begin to take care of other people. Begin to do something bigger than yourself as each one has received a gift. Why do we have a gift? I don't have a gift so that I can exalt Chad. I don't have a gift so I can promote Chad. I have a gift. You have a gift to serve other people. Everything that you've been given in life is for the benefit of the world around you. But when we get in, in so focused on ourselves and begin to think, well, what, how's this going to help me? How, how's this going to help me get further? How's this help me? We get so focused in on ourselves that we can get discouraged. But God's saying here, as each one has received a gift, I want you to minister it to one another. Each one has received a gift, a purpose, or assignment from God that we are responsible for. 
Where's, look what he says. Receive, you serve it as, make sure I got the next one. Ministers of one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Is this, there we go. Good stewards. Serve as being good stewards. What does it mean to be a good steward? So you've got a gift. Are you tracking with me? I want to make sure you're with me. As you, every, each one has received a gift. So I've got my gift. He said, now I want you to minister it as good steward. What's a good steward? A good steward is just a manager. Anybody ever worked as a manager at any kind of store? Or say, yeah, yeah, see hands all around. So what's the job of a manager? A manager is not an owner. A manager is responsible for taking care of something that they've been put in charge of. But they're not the owner of it. They're the manager of it. And this is what he's telling us. He says, the gifts that I've given to you, just like you think of a baseball manager or a business manager, the gifts that I've given you, they're, Chad, they are yours to manage. They're from me. They're mine. God's saying it to me. But they're mine to manage. In other words, I have a part to play in how God uses me based on how I manage it. I can either manage it well or I can mismanage it. You know, some person could be a great manager, another person be a, a struggle as a manager, and they're going to get different results. So I've got to manage well. And this is what he's telling us. As each one has received a gift, manage it well as good stewards. So here's a question I want to ask you. How are you managing what you have? Here's what I've found in my life. Maybe it, maybe it fits for you. Most people get discouraged because they think what they have is not significant. Instead of managing the best they can what they currently have, they don't manage what they have because they wish they had something that they don't. They're like, if I was more like so-and-so, I would be different. If this hadn't have happened to me in my life, I would be different. If this would just happen, if somebody would give me that, always looking for something on the outside to change them on the inside, and I just want to encourage you, hey, you've got something to manage. You've got something to bring to the table. None of you are without gifts. None of you are without value. None of you are sitting there empty-handed. You've all got something from God that he said, I'm going to entrust you with this. I'm going to put it in your hand. You're like, I don't see anything good in my life, Chad. You don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand the issues, the people. I don't see there's anything. Just because I don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. Just because I, don't, I can't put my finger on it doesn't mean it's not there. I want to encourage your hearts today to start believing that you have gifts, that you have talents, you have a purpose that you need to manage well. So how are you managing the gift? As each one has received a gift, as, I like how they phrase it, as each one's received. What does received mean again? It means to grab hold of. As each one received, minister it to one another. So here's how I like to explain it. As you grab hold of something... Is in a direct relationship to how you will serve from that. In other words, how I, do I value what I have? As you grab hold of it, minister it. So if I grab hold of it loosely and I think, ah, what I have is not that important, it's not going to bring any value to people. But if I value it as I grab hold of it and say, wait a minute, I've got something to offer. I didn't come all this way to Louisville to daylight because I didn't think God would give me something to offer. I had to have faith that, hey, God, you're going to use me today. Somehow, I'm not much. I'm just a kid from Ellery, Illinois. Just as, we don't even, Ellery, you don't even have a town. I live in the gravel roads of the country. What am I doing here? I believe God has something on the inside of me that's going to add value to your life. And you've got to see yourself that way. There was time in my life I didn't see it that way. And I wanted somebody to try and convince me. But as I grabbed hold of it, and I say it's important, it's valuable. Now I begin to minister out of that. 
Let me go to the next slide. The talents that God has given you, what you do with them. Everything that you have, the gifts that you have is God's gift to you. Your gift to God is how you use it. God's given you gifts and talents. He's given you abilities. He's given you perspectives. You look at things a certain way. You have what I call eyes to see things. It's like if everyone walks into the room, everybody sees things differently, and it's according to your gifting. Some people are going to walk in this room this morning and go, wow, look at those lights, how they got that lighting and uh, those, those, you know, this, all the, the red lights coming up out of those pillars, that's incredible. You're going to see the lighting. Other people are going to walk in, they're going to, they're going to see the, the coffee or the elements. You're going to walk in and you're going to say, wow, I could sure do a lot better job preaching than that guy. Whatever you're going to see, everybody's going to have different eyes to see. And your eyes, your perspective is a gift. Don't waste your gift. Everybody wants to look at things the same way everybody else does, and then they lose their uniqueness. You lose your value. There's over 7 billion people on the planet. Who else is going to be you but you? If you don't take up your you-ness <laughs> and be you, I'll just make up words. I'm from Southern Illinois. We don't even have to speak good grammar. If you don't become who you are, then who else is going to be you? Don't waste your you-ness. That's our word for the day, you-ness. <laughs> don't waste your identity. Don't waste your personality. Don't waste your perspective. You're like, I don't know. I just don't see it the same way other people. I know. It's great. That's your Eunice. I'm going to write this down. It's going to be part of the sermon from now on. So we got to know, as we, each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. Here's another scripture. Make sure I'm on the right one. For as, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. Hello. Hello. We have many members in one body. They don't all have the same function. You're not supposed to be like everybody else. You're not supposed to think like everybody. You're not supposed to have everybody else's perspective. We have many members, but we don't all have the same function. So you got to know your role. Know your function. Know your flow. Know, how, know what you're created to do. This is what he's saying. As each one... Many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Look at verse 6. Having, oh, sorry, I got to get, I'm not used to doing this part. There we go. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us. Try it again. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us. That's good. We're about 70%. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us, let us use Yes! Let us use them. Have you ever heard the phrase, use it or lose it? It's what happens. I'm not saying lose it as in God takes it away. You lose effectiveness when you don't value, when you don't grab hold of your gifting, when you don't grab hold of your purpose, when you sit there and take it for granted. And say, ah, it's nothing special. It's nothing important. You know, what am I going to do? Nobody's, nobody's going to listen to me. Nobody's going to pay attention to me. All I, all I can do is this. This is all I love to do. How's that going to be significant? At some point, having gifts differing, differing, differing. It's okay to be different. According to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Don't lose it. Don't lose the value of what you have. You got something. Use it. I just want to come out and shake you. You got to use it. 
I get stirred up when I'm talking about it because I feel God telling me at times, he will wake me in the morning sometimes. I'm not talking about like, you know, physical shaking me. I just, when I wake up, I'll have this thought. They'll come to me, Chad, can I use you today? And I've got to decide in that moment, how am I going to manage my gift? So here's last scripture. Felt like God wanted me to give this to you today. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. This is Paul writing. He says, not that I have already attained or I'm already perfect, perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Let me read that to you again. I want you to soak this in. Paul writing, not that I've already attained, so I can say this is Chad. You know, I'm preaching to you, but I haven't arrived. I'm talking to you, but I'm not perfected. I still have to walk this out every day. I still have to tell myself every day, Chad, this is how you think. This is how you value. Don't forget to grab hold of your gift. Don't forget to use it. Don't forget to not take it for granted. Don't forget that you're valuable. Don't forget you've got a purpose. I got to tell myself this. He says, not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on. Can I encourage somebody to press on? I'm not talking about nails. I'm talking about press on. Sorry, that's a fingernail joke that didn't go over very well. I've got four daughters. I do the best I can. I press on. Press on. You know, there's times in our life we're going to have some setbacks, but we got to press on. We're going to have some times in our life where things don't go the way we want them to go, but we got to press on. Do you know what press means? Press means that you're applying pressure. You're not just allowing pressure to be applied to you. You're the one applying pressure. You're saying, I'm moving forward. I'm moving forward in life. I'm not letting circumstances push on me. I'm pushing on circumstances. I'm like, here I come, world. Here I come. Be ready. I've found my green. I've found my purpose. I'm pressing through adversity. I'm pressing through discouragement. I'm pressing through fear. I'm pressing through intimidation. I'm pressing through it. Why? Doesn't mean that problems aren't going to be there. I wish it did. I wish it meant I would never have any problems. It just means when they come, we got to press. You got to push back. I press on that I may lay hold of that. May lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus had laid hold of me. Can I say it this way? Every single one of you have a that. I don't know what your that is. I do good to even know what mine is. But every single one of us has a that. He said, I press on that I may lay hold, lumbano, grab, seize, take possession of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. In other words, each and every one of you have a purpose that when you were created, God said, I've laid hold of them for a purpose. I've grabbed hold of them for a reason. I've grabbed hold of them for a cause. He didn't put you into this world without a cause or a purpose. He laid hold of you for something. And now Paul said, I press on that I may lay hold of that. So what's your that this morning? Do you know your green? Do you know your purpose? Have you grabbed hold of your purpose? Have you grabbed hold of your that? How are you managing what God has given you? I came with this purpose. When I woke up this morning, I always ask the Lord, I always say, what's going on? What's up? And I usually just talk to him like that. It's not something formal. King James, oh, Lord, how art thou in heavens? I just say, Lord, what's up? What's going on this morning? The first thought that came to my mind is, Chad, stir him up today. Stir him up. 
Because there's a verse in the Bible that says to stir up, Paul was writing to Timothy and he said, stir up the gift that is in you. Do you know what the word stir means? The word stir literally means to disturb. Like if something has settled, you know, like all the sugar goes to the bottom of your tea. You got to stir it up. You're disturbing. All of a sudden that sugar starts going around. It was nice and peaceful in the bottom. Nobody was bothering it. It was settled. I believe this is what happens. We get discouraged when things don't go our way. Our gift starts settling to the bottom and we need somebody to come stir us up. Sometimes you need to stir up yourself. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you. If you just bow your heads with me, I want to pray a prayer over you and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to stir up the gift that is in you today. It's my honor and privilege to be here and represent Jesus, the one who made you. I'm not here based on my talent and my ability. I'm here representing the King of kings and Lord of lords. It is his power that grabbed hold of you for something, and I want you to see it. I want you to experience it. So I'm going to pray this over you, and I just want you to receive. I want you to be open to God speaking to you about your green, something you love to do, something you're good at, and where there's a need for it. Let's just pray. Father, I just thank you in the name of Jesus for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And Father, I've, I've delivered what I felt like you asked me to say. So now, Lord, you do what no man can do, no woman can do, and you speak into our hearts and you stir us up in the name of Jesus. I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to walk through every aisle, every row, every seat, and speak to their hearts and stir. Stir up something that was dormant. Stir up something that was dead. Stir up something that's been discouraged. Stir up something that's been uh, pushed back in the corner. And Lord, I pray for a pressing. I pray for a pressing in Daylight Church that they will press on. They will press on in spite of opposition, in spite of discouragement, in spite of fear, in spite of intimidation. They will press, press, press. I pray, God, in Jesus' name that today people will know that they have a gift given by you. That gift is valuable. I pray, Lord, that now they will grab hold of their green. They will not leave it on the table. They'll not leave it on the shelf. But I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that today they will connect with you. Lord, you are the one. You're the one deserving all praise. You're the one deserving all glory. You're the one that's changed my life. I honor you, Jesus. Without you, I'm nothing. But with you, nothing is impossible. So God, I pray for these people. I bless them. I thank you for stirring up their gifts this morning, that they will know who they are in Christ and they will know the value they have. They will find their green. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.